0: they showing both sides of this kiss? And also, why am I not seeing her wrapped up in his arms?
1: Yeah, no, seriously. Definitely had feedback. That's where they needed to hire us, Lillian. I know we were probably like two at the time, but we can go back in time with our magic Jane Eyre uh, time-traveling machine and be like, cut, cut, cut. Okay, guys, no. We gotta do this again. Like, watch Lillian and I do it. (laughs) We'll show you. (laughs) We'll show you.
0: Don't worry about it. (laughs) So you gotta do like up around her waist and like pull her in. (laughs)
1: all right we're gonna do the choreography again and again and again and uh then we can finally film it (laughs)
0: william hurt you kiss me i'll show you how (laughs) (laughs) amazing
1: Lillian, how are you today how's it going i'm doing great how are you I'm doing very well. Uh, I'm ready to talk about this adaptation that we watched. Any initial thoughts or reactions? I I think I have so many initial thoughts and
0: reactions. Um, (laughs) It's good to be back in like a kind of where, like not where we started, but like (laughs) just a solid, this is a movie
1: about Jane Eyre. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, So the version that we did uh, is the 1990... Six. Six. Six version. Uh the movie adaptation. And um, do you want to talk about why we chose this one? So we chose it because it was
0: recommended by people, um, but we also chose it specifically because it features William Hurt, uh, amazing Rochester who recently passed away. So we wanted to to get an opportunity to check out this actor and, and kind of see how he played the role since it's one that's brought up frequently when I um, trap people into engaging on social media by asking them who their favorite Rochester is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, so he's an American actor and I think he's the first uh, Rochester we've seen that's been played by an American actor because even in the Jane head, that actor was Canadian. And so it was really funny to me hearing his voice, which first of all, I loved his voice. I thought it was very like low and kind of sexy, but um, it was funny because yeah, I'm used to him with his American accent, having a much higher pitch. And so it's interesting, kind of took it down a level when he was doing his British voice.
0: Well, I think it's important because we know that people come to us completely blind, not knowing anything about Jane Eyre. And I I worry (laughs) that our listeners might be listening to this going, listen, I get it. I'm excited to hear your hot takes on this super specific adaption and maybe compare it (laughs) to some other adaptions. (laughs) A little bit about what Jane Eyre is about,
1: which I believe is my responsibility this week. Is that true? Yes. Yep. You are up for our, as fast as you can recap of this insane story. (laughs) Oh God. Okay.
0: I didn't take notes this time, which we've, I know People are like really invested in how and why we go fast. So <laughs> I'm I'm curious as to if I go faster because I don't take notes and if we lose any accuracy, but we'll find out at the end, won't we? You know what? I think that's the fun of it. So
1: go for it. Give it your best. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, do we get the my timer ready? Cause... No, I'm dropping the ball. Hang on, hang on. I can't believe you.
0: I I will, while you're doing that, I will correct myself. I took notes in general. I take very diligent notes while we watch these adaptions. <laughs> I just specifically didn't do a little recap notes.
1: Which I feel is cheating. And then when you do the notes, then you don't get fun things like last week where I talked about pirates and, and cowboy ranches. That's so That's such a great point. <laughs> okay, Lillian, I'm ready. As soon as you start, I'll press the button.
0: Okay, so uh, Jane Eyre. Uh, We start with a little girl and she is actively being attacked by three of her cousins. Mm -hmm. And then her aunt goes, I feel like this is your fault for being such an easy target for bullies. And so she sends her off to a school for girls run by a guy who hates people, specifically women. Women suck. And she gets her haircut and her best friend dies. And she goes, you know what? I'm going to stay here for 10 more years and then I'm going to get a new job. And she goes and gets a job and she's working for this as a governess for a very cute little French girl with her cutie little curls and her cutie little poofy dresses. And a man uh, rides past her and falls down on his horse. Well past her. He's he's already (laughs) gone by, Um, but it is her fault because she was on the road or next to it, if you're being accurate. And then she goes back. It turns out it's her boss. Oh my God. It's so embarrassing. Uh, they fall in love. He decides best way to make her love him, make her jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, then her aunt dies. She meets who this man who is not her cousin, whose name just happens to be John Reed, um, or Rivers. John Rivers apologies. <laughs> um, and then she, uh, goes back to the, to see Mr. Rochester thinking he's going to marry someone else. He instead professes his love for her. Everyone is shocked, except for everybody. but Jane is the only one who's shocked really, if we're totally honest with ourselves. Um, <laughs> they at the wedding, I am shocked when the slowest interruption ever happens. Well he argues, <laughs> he <laughs> argues with a man about the truth of facts as he's confronted with them. and then they go home, it turns out, wife in the attic. Then immediately while Jane is in a carriage, Bertha burns down the house, but Jane stays away because she travels in a carriage for many days and then thinks to herself, I should go somewhere where I know people and does that smart Mm -hmm. lady. Um, Sick for many months, hears uh, Rochester's voice on the wind, goes back and is in love with him perfect wow
1: okay Lillian you you could possibly win the longest one no Uh, it's it's right up there with my last one too so now the competition is how long can we make these no 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 that can't be the competition oh my gosh so long dude uh two minutes 11 seconds
0: oh yeah I think that's I'm not listen I'm not obsessively remembering these, but it is a full seven seconds more than you last week. And you have four adep-
1: four episodes of a brand new story to recap. What a rough time for me. Oh, my goodness. So maybe I can jump in just with my first note where uh, so Jane's Aunt Reed is played. I don't know the actress's name, but it's um, Mrs. Dursley from Harry Potter. And so yes. I see since the movie opens with these children and Mrs. Dursley shoving a girl into a locked room, I'm like, Mrs. Dursley at it again. (laughs)
0: um this actually so her name is Fona sean um and i might be mispronouncing that but i always might be doing that she she this was uh five years before no two years before the first harry potter movie Ah. um so i was watching this going this was why they thought she could play Aunt Petunia because it's a very Aunt Petunia-esque role. And I never had those parallels until you see the same actress do it. And then you're like, a mean aunt who's yeah. supposed to love you. And for some reason, shoves you into rooms you don't want to be in.
1: Right. She read that script for HP and she's like, oh, I've done this already. I'm there. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> so ready. Just throwing children into
0: rooms as if I don't like them with force that is unnecessary. Um, I'm a girl. Yeah.
1: I've got it on my resume. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> Verified skill on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. It's been endorsed by so many people.
1: So Harry Potter endorsed it. Jane endorsed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Um, All the staff at
0: the um, Reed's home were probably like, yeah, we've seen this before. And we didn't do anything about it, but she's good at it. <laughs> I did note like with that moment, I think that was the first moment where like, The aunt like fully sees her kids just straight up and down bullying Jane. Mm -hmm. Like Jane is not like, she's kind of fighting back, but there's three, all three kids are bullying her. Yes. And she's just kind of like trying to stay standing and Mm -hmm. mystery goes, this feels like your fault to me.
1: I thought the way that they handled like that family was so interesting because she makes sure that her actual children are well-behaved when Mr. Brocklehurst comes. And there's so much ceremony when Mr. Brocklehurst comes, it feels like royalty is coming to their home because he walks in so regally and the servant takes his coat and she tells her children to, you know, bow and curtsy. And instantly one of her daughters goes to start playing piano to be like, Ooh, look at how skilled and accomplished my children are so well-behaved. But then compared to this little monster that I'm going to have you take, away from me it's all this big farce and they're all in on it uh and i Mm -hmm. feel like because this one we don't really see the scene that we typically get where she walks in on jane like wailing on john so she just simply i think in this version it's just kind of similar to maybe how like in harry potter she resents the sibling and therefore resents the child of the sibling so i think it's kind of part of that even though for her it's not her sibling by birth it was her husband's brother So, yes. yes. So anyway, either way, she's decided she's sister. There we go. Yeah. She's decided she doesn't like Jane and is going to do everything in her power to get her out of here. Yeah.
0: And and I think that what you're talking about too with the like, both Brocklehurst and Mrs. Reed have the same perception as reality, Mm -hmm. like vibe where it's like, they're trying to adhere to society's rules. They're trying to create these standards. And Jane is a little bit more of the example of like, no, the right thing is sort of the right thing. And it's not really about what the people's perceptions are. And I think that we see that a lot in that scene when he comes to, to pick up Jane and the kid, these kids, woof, usually <laughs> we've, they're always terrible, but they, she sent them to go get that girl. Mm-hmm. And They go out of the room cheering about how she's finally going to be gone. Like, it's so messed up. And they're like, she doesn't get to, she doesn't have to eat our food anymore. And like all this stuff. And when kids say things like that, like when kids are saying something like, you're always like sleeping under our roof and eating our food and stuff. That's parent. That's parroting a parent. There's no way that's not an adult. No kids is around going, well, there's a limited amount of money. And when you budget out that (laughs) money... (laughs)
1: Oh my God, you're right, yeah. (laughs) Um, I have to say, oh, well, first we should mention, because we said this at the end of last week, but in case you didn't listen to that one, so young Jane is played by Anna Paquin, uh, or as I like to call her, Anna Quackwin, since she was in the classic movie Fly Away Home in which she has to help a flock of geese get back to where they came from, or so help me. (laughs) Um, And so then she, uh, so we've got Anna Quackwin uh, here doing, I think, a very good performance, but not nearly as good as young Helen. Helen was a wonderful actress. As I thought
0: really it. that's so interesting to me because I have a bunch of facts about Anna Quacklin because of the fact that she's so unbelievably famous now yeah um, and uh, it's interesting to me that you think she was better because I actually was watching so here I'm going to start with my facts and then I'll do my opinion on it sounds um, good so she was actually in, cause I w- she's young enough that I thought this might be her first movie. Mm-hmm. So I went and looked, she was actually in a movie called the piano, the piano or the pianist. Okay. Yeah. I've, I, I think, I think I there's written that down wrong. I there's two the movie movies. Okay. And it's yeah. 1993. It's like a
1: love story between it's a very Piper movie. I feel is um, Adrian Brody in that. Cause Adrian, I think Adrian Brody's in the pianist.
0: It's the one where the the plot of this movie is a, a mute woman gets sent to New Zealand with her daughter. Okay, um, to not be married that. off to a farmer. Okay, and okay. I think it's the piano. Okay, um, but the daughter is played by Anna Paquin. Okay, she, in 1993, so this came out in 2000 or in 1996, so probably shot right after this. It was the next movie she was in. One best supporting actress at the age of eleven. What? She's the second youngest in history to have won an Oscar. I did not know that. That's awesome. Um, So she, I personally think that the way that they played, the amount of time they gave to her childhood and the like monologues they gave her and all those other things, They put a lot on her as an actress because they knew she could handle it, where there's a lot of other young Janes where I'm like, oh, sweetie, I know you're trying. This is maybe not for you. And you can see that in the fact that they're never in anything else. (laughs) She was in a movie basically, um, uh, essentially almost every single year since 1993, she has been in a movie.
1: Yeah, she's been busy. And she's uh, 39. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I was also impressive because uh, impressed by her British accent as such a young child. I'm always impressed when kids can do accents so well. Because, yeah, we had kind of a mixed cast here of Americans in this one. But, yeah, no, I thought she was great. I thought little Helen was phenomenal. Like whoever was directing these children really knew how to convey what they wanted them to do. Cause I, what really stood out to me is when Helen is in her deathbed, she kept like rolling her eyes kind of back into her head and kind of like looking as if she was getting distracted by random things. And I thought that was a really great way of kind of conveying how she's sort of slipping away, but it didn't feel over the top. It was like a little, a little on the edge of that, but I just thought it was great. I was like, dude, this whole thing is awesome. And So I I think I might actually go out on a limb here and say, I think I kind of preferred the young Jane story more than adult Jane story in this, where typically I'm like, let's get through the young Jane. I don't really care. But what I loved was, you know these scenes with her and Helen especially. So like they're in kind of having recess and she is drawing Helen and she asks her to take off her bonnet so she can draw her beautiful hair. And Helen is there looking all gorgeous in the sunlight and Brocklehurst comes in and does the whole thing about cutting hair off because curls equal vanity and all this shit. And this is the first time we've seen Uh, Little Jane stand up and like defend Helen and be like, "No, I told her to do it. I wanted to draw her." And we get this little like feminism protest scene where Jane stands alongside her friend, takes off her bonnet, shakes her hair down too, and they both flip their heads over to be like, "Do it! Take our hair from us! We don't care. We stand together." And it was very awesome. And I'm like, I want to see more of that, but it was great. Yeah, it was. It was that scene was so good. And I
0: also. Just, I know, I know that I can't argue with Brock because he's a fictional character. and also, <laughs> Like, he's just a terror. He's supposed to be terrible. Yes. But I cannot get over it. I know this is not other things, but it was like, I was yelling, especially as Jane was arguing with him, like I was yelling at the screen being like, listen, I know that you have decided that curls are vanity. Um, and I know that for some reason, her hair curling naturally, like just is not a good enough argument for you how is it vanity? Like he goes, my problem is not with her looks. It's with her vanity. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Wouldn't it be more <laughs> vain for her to style her hair so it didn't curl mm-hmm. than for her to hair to just do what it does naturally? Yeah. Um, And that's the problem is that Brocklehurst doesn't have logic behind any of his <laughs> arguments. He doesn't even have like he, he's not even like actually living those beliefs. It is all about perception. So when he says, "This my problem with it isn't the, um, isn't the curls or the whether or not it's natural." My problem is with the vanity, and I'm like, "No, your problem is is, is with the perceived vanity of her having curly hair."
1: Yeah, which Jane calls out too. She says, "Will you like punish her for the way that God made her?" And then he comes back thinking he's so great, and he's like, "Well, God also puts sin in all of us." boom. It's just like, dude, you are so messed up.
0: I feel like some of us are leaning into the sin in us a little bit more than others. Maybe a guy who's accusing 11 year old children
1: of being too sexy. (laughs) How glad were you that this movie gave some time to a very nice Miss Temple? I was very glad. I, I
0: feel like now, especially having, after watching the 43 and like remembering Miss Temple and how kind of important she is and I, I just, I note her character more. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's one of those things that again, like, because we've watched so many different versions, I'm so aware of like, like, I don't know that I would be aware of how much time they gave the childhood in a way that I felt worked. Cause I think what you were saying is like, they, we usually are complaining about how long they sent in the childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think they gave it really good stuff because they had this actress they knew could handle that. Yeah. Um, which was fantastic. I do think I really liked the rest of it as well, but-
1: um, I did too. Um, But before we jump into that, I do just want to say one thing that I love that they did here. There's another touching scene where afterwards the girls are kind of, you know, they have their hair chopped and they're lying in bed and they're feeling sad. And Miss Temple comes in and she gives them this kind of beautiful speech talking about how they have this opportunity with the education they're receiving and how that's going to set them up. And she has a line, she says, you are blessed with intelligence. And that is the same thing as like the independence of spirit. And this is something that Jane, I think, says in so many words later on as well, which kind of feeds into her big line, her speech where she goes, you know, I am not a bird, I am a person with an independent spirit, and I will break free of you. And I like the idea that this was instilled in her from this kind lady from these very harsh surroundings, who then she carried that wisdom with her for the rest of her life. So I really loved that little seed that they planted there too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The kind of last thing that I want to mention on the childhood, because I think it's such a great transition, is post Helen's death, which is very, very sad, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um it always, it always runs me out. I have one quick note on that scene. Miss Temple says they should get a doctor. That other teacher, who I do believe is a named character, but I cannot remember her name, is like, um, only Mr. Broccoli can call in a doctor. <laughs> and Miss Temple's like, I'm sorry. Like, there's really nothing you can do about it. And then they're like mad at Helen and like running around looking for Helen and Jane, being like, oh, where are you guys? And they find her. And it turns out Helen's dead and they're still mad. <laughs> like they're like still like she's like oh i'll take care of this like you don't need to worry about this mr brockley i'm like no 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 miss temple called out the fact that this child was sick this child was sick because of conditions you kept her in essentially mm-hmm. um and now what you're saying to me is that you are mad at her For going to another room to cough in and die. And instead of, I don't know, addressing the other child who just had her friend die in the same bed as her, you're (laughs) consoling the evil man who wouldn't call the doctor just so that I'm following how you're spending your day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Broccoli needs so much support, Lillian. You don't understand. He's so sensitive. He he needs something. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) that supports the thing that I'm going to give him though. (laughs) So we do a nice kind of transition from uh, young Jane looking at her friend Helen's tombstone to suddenly she's adult Jane walking through the graveyard. And my note is, wow, she looks so beautifully gothic here, like walking through the graveyard in her beautiful black clothes. I think early bonnet watch. I loved that hat. That was a fantastic bonnet. That's so funny. I have a lot of bonnet watch.
0: I I wrote down that there was a pretty solid standard black bonnet, classic Ooh. Jane Eyre.
1: Ooh, I solid liked it. It was bonnet. sleek, a nice classy black, kind of like a Cadillac. That's a Cadillac of bonnets right there, Lillian. I'm going to have to write this down for bonnet watch because I do
0: need to call out, even though and I don't want to shock people. I'm the one who writes the captions on our Instagrams. And sometimes <laughs> I'll say we, but I'm sort of just writing it myself. Um, <laughs> and I, but I do, if we take controversial takes, like for example, all pilots are good is mm-hmm. one that I sent you to make sure we both take that stance. This is one that I think I'm going to have to call out the fact that you thought it was the Cadillac of bonnets specifically.
1: Yeah. yeah. You can quote me on that one. I- I'll I will. Take that. I'm
0: literally writing it down.
1: Yay. <laughs> Um, As you write that down, I'll read my next note here, which is, I this had such a 90, this whole movie, it's just like 90s comfort for me. There's something about period pieces in the 90s that have a certain vibe. It felt very much like one of my favorites, the 94 Little Women, I think just with the lighting, the music, the setting, but also lots of kind of like 90s character actors that we are familiar with. And the woman who plays Mrs. Fairfax, I saw her and I'm like, you are part of my 90s childhood lady. She's been in a lot of stuff. And the one that I know her best from is she plays Nanny in, the live action 101 Dalmatians yeah okay I I was doing
0: the same thing and I could not I scrolled through IMDB didn't do a deep dive on her and was like not figuring out what I knew her from
1: yeah no she's in um that's the main thing that I know her from but she's done a lot of other stuff just kind of like side background characters Yeah, yeah yeah that tracks
0: I the 90s thing we talk about it a lot Um, with these adaptions, how like how much, especially as we keep watching different versions of them, you can tell how much of a product of their time they are. Mm -hmm. It is a very 90s period piece. There's a lot of different things I see with that. The way the music is like is in that moment. And it's one of the things that I was struck by in this more than in some of the other adaptions. Although I think I could probably start doing this with future adaptions and even look back at some of our ones we've already watched. Mm -hmm. But One of the things that I was hyper aware of while watching this is the balance between gothic and romance because gothic novels are like their own genre. Mm -hmm. Romances are their own genre that have their own tropes. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm much more familiar with the genre of romance, not really a huge (laughs) fan of gothic stuff. Um, But I think that that probably influences how like things that I'm like, this is really good. Mm -hmm. I've noticed tend to lean more towards an adaption that is cheating towards the romance versus the gothic. Yes. An example where I, I think all the adaptions that we watched have gothic elements and they have romantic elements. This, Mm -hmm. I think Jane Eyre, I would, I'm curious as we go to read the book um, which is the very normal way to do it. You start a podcast and then several <laughs> months later, you read the book that the podcast is about. Um, I'm interested to see what the balance, where the balance sits within Jane Eyre, um, the book, because yeah. I think this adaption really leaned into the romance. Yeah. There were obviously lots of Gothic elements. I think an, uh, an adaption where... I would almost say the balance is similar, but flipped would be like the 2011 mm-hmm. does a lot more of like the Gothic and the drama and the mysterious and like that sort of thing. Yeah, And obviously the romance in that is great, but this mm-hmm. one, like the music is very yeah. romantic music. There's is. moments where it's less romantic, but like she is standing in a grave yeah. looking at her friend's grave mm-hmm. and the music Is super 90s romance.
1: Yes, it is. "Um." (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I guess that's the, and I I don't have the director's uh, name written down for this one, but that must have been, you know, what they were going for is they wanted this to be a bit more of like we're setting you up to, to believe in this love story. So you can fall for these characters. But with the Gothic thing though, I did like, it's always fun to me when I remember that some people watching this, maybe don't know the story and to look for if they try to do red herrings or try to mislead the audience. So there was a comment when she's first shown around Thornfield where Miss Fairfax says like, no one goes into those rooms. One could almost say a ghost walked these halls. It's like, that's a weird thing to say. It would be over there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then also when we see Grace Poole, because we hear the laughter and Fairfax calls her out and she walks out of the room, they gave this actress, so she's got kind of silvery gray hair and they've like emphasized these red circles around her eyes. She kind of looks kind of ghostly herself. And what I liked though, I think, And I'm going to talk about this with other examples in this movie, but I think they did a really good job of justifying a lot of stuff, either out loud or visually, because the fact that this woman looks kind of ghostly is for an audience that doesn't know the story can think, oh, she's the crazy person who's setting the house on fire. But when you know her job and her responsibility, yes, she would look that tired and worn out, you know, having to take some care of someone who's this much of a I don't know, personality.
0: Personality.
1: (laughs) It's a a lot of work (laughs) to take care of a lady who's trying to burn houses down. So, yeah, of course, you'd be tired.
0: Yeah. And I think I I really want to talk about Grace Poole. And I think the way they portrayed her in this is somewhat interesting. A, I wrote down spookiest Grace Poole yet. Like Mm -hmm. the physical look of this woman is the spookiest. I think there's other actresses who played her spookier. Mm -hmm. Um, but they really leaned on making her look very spooky and then sort of the things she said maybe weren't necessarily as spooky. Um, although (laughs) she did obviously threaten Jane and say, you should probably lock your door. Yeah. Uh, classic post fire line, So um, great. <laughs> but I do, I want to talk about the biggest change they made with Jay, grace pool. And it's the biggest change they made in the movie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to j- jump to the end, but I am going to, um, uh, <laughs> I don't, but I will <laughs> fi- in the fire. So they, the way they played the fire is different than they've ever played the fire before. And we can talk about that, but specifically grace pool dies. Yeah. That is well, how burned. Bertha pushes Grace Poole off. Like they're they're She's not trying to kill Grace Poole, mm-hmm. but she, they're fighting. Grace is trying to get her to go down the stairs. She's trying to get Mr. Rochester's help. She's very afraid of the fact that they're going to burn to death in this house because of this fire that Bertha started. Um, it's the first time we've actually seen the fire. Like not mm-hmm. just like the fact that there was a fire or that Bertha was starting it, but like actually seeing what happens in the immediate aftermath of the fire. Yeah. And. Grace Poole gets pushed through a balcony as it breaks and mm-hmm. falls and we watch her die mm-hmm. and then when Mr. Rochester goes to get um, Bertha Bertha looks at what she did to Grace Poole looks at her husband and goes I actually hate that man mm-hmm. um and then dives off the balcony and we also watch her die as she looks <laughs> at Grace Poole's body Which goes immediately
1: against me saying it was a romance, but oh my God. Yes. No, that was a lot. I also think that what you just described there, that scene where she looks at the consequences of her actions and then takes her own life. I really don't think this Bertha was all that crazy because my notes about her, the scene where he brings the wedding party up to her, her tower to show her off. She doesn't attack. She's just standing there looking sad and scared by the fire. Like, and he's just saying that she's crazy. And it isn't until she pulls a log out of the out of the fireplace and runs at him. No, she runs at Jane with it. But I'm also like, yeah, but if you locked any sad lady in an attic and then you're like, hey... Wife, here's the young girl I'm trying to marry. I'd also probably be like, Get out of here, you bastard! <laughs> and like, trying well, to get them when, he, when he's like
0: yelling at them, being like, This, this crazy woman, I'm like, You mean the sad ghost lady? Yeah, I mean, p- she looks sad, but she looks crazy, sad and scared, harsh. Yeah, like, stop, stop pointing at her and be like, Look how crazy she is. She's wearing a nightgown, <laughs> calm down. Like, we I, could put you in a nightgown and you'd also look crazy, sir.
1: Yeah, exactly. Grow your hair out that long and stand in a Room by yourself. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I do. I do think that this is a more sympathetic Rochester. I think mm-hmm.
0: there's a lot of points that I will I will point to for that. I personally don't think this is one where you could interpret that great that Bertha was just like totally fine mm-hmm. because they talk about the history of insanity and they also talk about like he fully didn't meet her mm-hmm. until they were married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think the way they play his character in general. Yeah. Um in this one he doesn't seem like the kind of Rochester. Some of the other Rochesters I'm like, you she said two things you didn't like and you he mm-hmm. locked her in an attic. Yeah. Um where he doesn't really quite seem like that
1: kind of Rochester. I want let's talk about him then because my notes about him Specifically the first impression from the scene where he's riding along the road. What I love about that scene is so first of all like you say Jane is off to the side, he rides by no problem, but literally the reason why he falls is cuz he does a double take after seeing a hottie. Like he's like he's like whoa, what and then his horse slips. And so I love that that was like the reason why he fell, but also he is a very soft spoken, not very ill tempered man in this like he doesn't shout at her at all during that scene. He's very chill after having fallen. He says, please excuse me, thank you. He uses all these polite terms like in the, within this first meeting. And he rode away and I'm like, you are very likable and charming. You are not a grump. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And his fall is a lot more dramatic than some of the other ones. Like some of the other ones, there's two different ways that Rochester falls off a horse. For those of you who haven't watched a thousand adaptions of this. Oh my gosh. Option one is the horse. Bucks up and when the horse bucks up, he falls off the horse. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's the right horse term. Doesn't really matter to me. Um, <laughs> feel free to send us an email about it if it's the wrong one. Um, bucks up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the horse ding, dang, bucked up. Um, and then the other one is the horse Fully falls over, like Mm. on its side. Kudos to probably the best actor in this film, which is that horse did a
1: great job. Yes, it did. Ooh, top notch acting by that horse. Also very pretty. I loved its mane. It had like these like kind of white and gray spots on its neck. Oh,
0: also beautiful. Yeah. Great
1: pilot, beautiful pilot. Yes. He was like, looked like he was some kind of German shepherd breed. He had very long, shaggy hair, like a wolf. He looked great. We'll have to
0: consult Pack of Pilots, um, our one one-stop shop source for all pilot related information uh, to get the official breed of this pilot. That horse did a great job. This Rochester, like the horse fully falls on him because it's mm-hmm. when when the horse bucks up, Um, that one is like a little bit, maybe you should know how to stay on a horse. And now I I know what our listeners are thinking, Lillian, you've demonstrated your horse knowledge and your horse (laughs) ownership, just like you would totally be fine on a horse. Yeah, I would. I think if I... (laughs) If I lived in this time and I was riding around horses, I'd know all the words and I would stay on a horse if it bucked up.
1: Sinners, you didn't know this, but Lillian's actually a rodeo queen. Um, She (laughs) always wins whenever we go to a bar and there's a bull that you can ride, a mechanical bull. She never gets thrown.
0: (laughs) Quick life story about me and mechanical bulls, Uh, not to shatter the illusion. Um, I have... Once in the past, tried to ride a mechanical bull,
1: couldn't get on it. Oh no, Lillian. After you put on your rootin', tootin', best cowboy hat.
0: The only time I actually, so that time was during a like concert thing that Concordia did that is classically known for a lot of college activities, eyebrow weight raise. So it definitely was me not being coordinated and not me participating in college activities. That was why I couldn't get on the the bull. But I have ridden a mechanical bull one time where I actually did successfully get onto it. And technically, they didn't finish turning it
1: all the way on. (laughs) Oh, my God, Lillian.
0: (laughs) I hadn't even made it really fully to level one yet.
1: So it's here's fine. what I'm here's what I'm hearing, Lillian, is that when we eventually do live events, we're going to have a mechanical bull, and whoever's turn it is to do the recap, you have to do it as long as you're staying on the bull. And if you get thrown off, that's where the story ends. Okay, so- well, I think this, the recap that I'm going to do is Jane Eyre. <laughs> Amazing. So thank you for coming to our our podcast where we ride mechanical animals. Uh, but Please never make me do that. Oh my gosh! I'll I'll, I'll ride for us. I'll be the representative here. I've I got my rootin'est tootinous cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, very soft uh, Rochester. Not yelly. Liked that a whole lot. Yeah. And
0: yeah. um and I think when when they fall, when the horse falls on them, I give him a little bit more leeway mm-hmm. to be really angry. And he didn't even need that leeway. He just was like, oops. Um, and he's and Jane like comes over to him and he's surprised that Jane came all the way over to him. Like he's right. like and did just keep, keep on walking yeah.
1: <laughs> and like you leave him there. <laughs> He's like, Well, you're actually gonna help. Interesting. She's like, Well, I did just witness a car accident. So yeah, <laughs> an old timey car accident. It's called a horse accident.
0: <laughs> it's called a horse accident. <laughs> Amazing. Uh so and then I think we see that in Rochester like all the way through. I think another example of him not having the same level of temper. I think he, I don't think it necessarily diminishes his passion. I do mm-hmm. think he had a little bit less passion than some, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's the like. The way he expresses his anger and frustration and in the yelling, I don't think really cuts it down quite as much. What I do see is when he's talking to Adele and they're having the whole conversation and he's actually pretty nice to her and she's just finished dancing and he's very clearly upset about it. Um, And then she goes, I want to do another dance. Like, can't I stay up? And he's like, no, you have to go to bed. And he's pretty intense about it. It Mm -hmm. does feel very like, like, I know we've talked about Children aren't really people in mm-hmm. the 1850s, 40s. He does talk to her the way that I would see, like if a parent did that to a child now, I would be like, that was a little rough, but whatever. Um, <laughs> where Jane is like, that was unacceptable. And I'm like, oh. I wrote down, Jane, you would be so mad if you saw how some of these other Rochesters are <laughs> treating their Adele's.
1: Yeah, seriously. Although we do, one of my, uh a scene that I really appreciated is later on when Jane is away for a month to go see her aunt, we see Rochester spending time just one-on-one with Adele. He's with her in her classroom. It's so sweet. I'm like, oh, like you're being a dad. That's nice. Yeah. And just in general,
0: I think he's more of a dad than a lot of the other Rochesters, although Here's a fun to immediately contradict our he's just such a soft, sweet boy, Rochester. (laughs) Uh, Did you
1: catch where he shot the man? In didn't he say in his wing? Nope. That's what he he said. He said, I thought maybe you misheard. Did you hear Wang, Lillian? He did not say (laughs) Wang. He said, I shot him in the, I clipped his wing or something like that. So in the arm, which is classically where he shoots him. She told me that I was Adele's father
0: the time i wanted to believe it was so but then one night i found her in the arms of a brainless viscount. i left
1: a bullet in his feeble wing
0: okay you were right it's feeble wing i'm so
1: sorry (laughs) 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 haha well maybe you heard the brainless part and that's why you thought it but let's do a clean entrance unless you want to include the haha part Oh, no, no, no. I'm playing that audio
0: clip. That's all going in there. Oh, nice. Okay. So um, our, our amazing listeners, I'm hoping didn't have to listen to my finding the video, nope. watching the ad. I cleaned it up. <laughs> We went back. Piper was right. Uh, She is going to get the you were right treat in the mail any day now. Um, It's a cake that just says you were right. I was wrong. Um, (laughs) Fun fact, did legitimately send someone at work a mug that said you're always right.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) Um. So I'm going to take us away from this detour real quick to talk about another detail that this movie really embraced that I really enjoyed is I feel like this movie gave a lot of love to Jane as an artist. And we see that in a way that they also re kind of examined the classic scene where he asks if she finds him handsome, which typically Mm -hmm. that takes place when he demands that she sits in front of a fire and talk to him without giving any kind of supplement to what she should talk about here. uh, Jane and Adele are out in the gardens and they're watching Mr. Rochester walk around being updated on things by the gardener. And Adele is sad because she's like, his leg is almost healed and that means he'll go away soon and I'll be all alone. I like my dad. I wish he would be here. And then she looks at Jane and she's like, can you draw a picture of him? So I have a a drawing of my dad while he's gone. And Jane's like, sure. So she pulls out her notebook and starts doodling him. And it's then that he walks up and he says, do you find me handsome? You are studying me. And I was like, that's a really good way to bring those kind of things together. But then there's this other great detail that we have later on too, where Jane is helping Adele draw. And she has a line that she says where she's like, yeah, the shadows are as important as the light. And he hears that and he's like, do you really believe that's true? And I think it's a nice kind of look into his way. He's like, if you knew my shadows, would you still see the light in me? Mm-hmm. And it's so good. So yeah,
0: I, I wrote that down and I actually did because lots of times you and I will make bold claims about what is and isn't in this book. And I d- I Googled that because I was like, that is a line that I don't remember hearing previously. Like you said, because they don't usually feature the art quite as much in her drawing quite as much. And, but that line specifically is a Charlotte Bronte line. That is one that she wrote and is like very clearly a representation of the theme of the, the, the movie, the story, the idea of like the shadows and the light. I think that plays really well into what we were talking about earlier with the romance and the Gothic elements and like having those, I think Charlotte Bronte has a lot of criticisms of Jane Austen and she talks about the lack of passion and all of those things. But Jane Austen's also got quite a bit of light. She's a light lady. She's looking for that light. Um, (laughs) And I think that that's what a lot of the fiction that I read is really focused on that light. And we talked about that even with North and South, that I don't like the parts that are bummers. That's not what I go (laughs) to romance for. But I think it's such a great point. And I think it's one of the reasons why Jane Eyre is as popular as it is, as long lasting as it is. And why this in particular
1: gets seen in so many different ways is the way yeah. that that shadow and light play together. Exactly. No, I agree. I was really glad they included it. And honestly, shame on other adaptations for not having that line in there because that says so much. Yeah, I really, yeah. really love that line. Another thing that is, uh, we'll say equally
0: important um, in interpreting this adaption, the drawing that we see her doing, the one where she's like outlining his face, Mm -hmm. And then the drawing that she shows him, those are two totally separate drawings. There's absolutely (laughs) no way she did the final drawing while she was standing there. Because the version she did while she's standing there is this little like angle intense close-up drawing of her like outlining a, a face. And then the drawing that he sees later is like So well done. Like it could have been a quick sketch, but it was
1: not the sketch she was sketching earlier. (laughs) As someone who does art in her free time, it's always entertaining to me to see in movies when an actor or actress it, like the camera goes over their shoulder and they're working on a piece of art because typically they're just like holding a pencil above the page, just kind of moving it back and forth for a drawing that someone handed them. And so like, it's interesting at least to see somebody like actually making lines and starting to form something. So who knows if it was that actress or if they just brought in the the person who did the sketch and like, we're just going to film your hands real quick. But
0: <laughs> it feels very similar to, there's this TikTok person that I follow who watches a TV And movies for knitting and whether or not the actor has ever learned how to knit knows anything about knitting (laughs) and it's so funny because like sometimes it's fully just like crochet work that they've got knitting needles in which I find hilarious (laughs) so similar similar vibe to drawing where it's like um honey that was not the same drawing
1: (laughs) Lillian shall we since you seem to be like kind of vibing with this Rochester and the romance shall we talk about the after the burning bed scene oh Uh, yes, we shall. Okay. Because the detail, there was a lot of great details in that, that I really liked that they did. And this is kind of bringing it back to what I mentioned earlier. So when Jane runs into the room and it's the bed is burning and he won't wake up, which first of all, they showed him having a cup in his hand. And I was like, is it implied that he like drank and then fell asleep? And that's why it's hard for him to wake up. So I was unsure about that. But one thing that she does, she needs water. So she takes this vase that is full of roses, grabs the roses, throws them out, and then throws the water that was in the vase on him. Later, when he, you know, takes her out of that room, they've both, like, splashed other things to get the fire out. He comments, first of all, he says, oh, like, you're soaking wet, and he puts his cloak around her. Then when he comes back, and they're having this intimate moment, first... He when he goes to shake her hand because he doesn't want her to leave, he notices that her palm is bleeding. And she says, like very like casually and, and awesomely, she's just like, Yeah, no, the uh the roses had thorns. And he it gives him this beautiful excuse to like dab the blood from her palm with his handkerchief. It's very tender and nice. But then also now they're like, he's cared for her, they're in this close proximity, and he has this line where he says, You're shivering. And It I think in that moment it's more of her just like shivering from like the excitement of the intimacy of this, but then she's like quickly thinks to herself, she's like, Oh, I was wet, um, I'm cold, sir. And it's something where before, when that line has been used, I feel like it's just something like a way for if the chemistry's not quite there, I'm like, yeah, she seems uncomfortable. I think she wants to get out of here. But here she's like, oh, I'm not shivering because I like you so much. It's because I got wet earlier and I'm cold and I should probably leave because you're my boss and I'm tempted to kiss you right now. So <laughs> yes, that's amazing.
0: I think the, the Rose moment where he's like dabbing, she's like got a little cut on her hand. First of all, classic romance moment, really killing the game there. Can you hear Ruth barking? Yes, it's okay. fine. We're going to keep it in. Okay. (laughs) Um, So classic romance moment, dabbing the blood on her hands, like little cut on the hand. Oh my God. And, but I did while I was watching it, I was like, Oh my God, that's so cute. And he's using his little, he took out his handkerchief and he's like so worried about her being just like a little bit hurt, even though he almost just burned to death. And then my (laughs) second immediate, like the thought that immediately followed that is Piper's going to love this.
1: (laughs) I did. I did love it. It's very nice because I love A, I love anybody taking care of someone that they care for. Like I, when I look for romance, I am drawn to very protective male protagonists, but I also love when the lady can take care of somebody and protect. And that's one thing that I've always liked about Jane Eyre is that she saves him on multiple occasions. So I love that this is a scene of equal care where she saves him Mm -hmm. from a fire and then he like tends to her wound and it's just really nice. And I'm like, Oh, it's a quality. And I love it. (laughs) I also think this adaption
0: more than other adaptions, like same same moment, same scenes. We actually follow Rochester when he leaves. So like he leaves the room and usually we sit there with Jane where she's awkward in his room. But we follow him. And again, I think that this, this movie more than others isn't is kind of written for people who haven't seen the original movie, which to be honest, especially since this was I believe made at least more by Americans be one of the reasons why um Mm -hmm. because Americans I I'm just gonna go out boldly say it Americans (laughs) probably know this story less than British people given the fact that the BBC does an adaption of this every two to five minutes um and so there's more of an assumption that you don't know the story of Jane Eyre and so they do more misleads Mm -hmm. than we see in a lot of other ones yes Like, for example, he goes off and like, finds, And the first thing he says is grace pool. Like he doesn't, he's not looking like, we know he's looking for Bertha, but you could easily think he's just looking for grace pool.
1: I liked that too. And because it also, once again, it, it does its job where it's misleading the audience, but it also makes sense because he would be like, hey, where is the person who's supposed to be watching the pyro who lives in my house? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I loved that. Do we want to jump to the uh, proposal scene real quick? Because I was disappointed in that one. There was... Really? Yeah, no, I, I mean, he was so soft all the way through, which is, you know, what he's been doing this whole time. But I felt that he didn't really do any of the passionate promises of love to her. A lot of his lines were cut. We didn't get him saying, you know, you are my equal to stand at my side. All of that, all of that was gone. It was literally him just simply kind of giving her kisses and asking her to marry him. And she's like, for realsies. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, call me, uh, John, is that his first name? Edward. Is it Edward. She's like, call me Edward. No, call me John. Don't think about <laughs> the fact that that's your, both of your cousins are named John. Just... It's my kink. <laughs> I want you to call me that. <laughs> she's, he's just like, say my name, say my name. <laughs> and she's like, all right, I guess we're making out now. So oh. I, it was still very tender and sweet, but knowing how much power that speech can hold, I was sad that it was gone. That's where, that's, I think the moment where soft boy Rochester, you don't see the passion. I do
0: think that it was, oh, I really liked it. I see what you're saying. I do think that there was a lot of emotion there. He did have the string line, which I love for the line about like one, a string tied around my heart, like, or my chest right here that goes through. And and if I believe if we were separated, I would bleed inwardly.
1: Mm -hmm. (sighs) Very Love nice. that line. Very, very good. good line.
0: But, yeah. very, but also very indicative of Soft Boy Rochester. And I think the the moments he actually he they do talk about the equal a little bit, like she brings it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he fully nuzzles her face in the weirdest PDA since kiss breathing. Um <laughs> and Uh, Which also, that was 97. So apparently in the 90s, they just didn't know how to do affection. They like didn't, they were like, I don't know, like do people, it's like all the writers in the room had never kissed a girl before. And so they were like, (laughs) when you kiss a girl, how do you do that? Well, first you kind of just like rub your face all the way around her face, but like not on her mouth, just kind of like all the way around it.
1: So Lillian, here's a potential theory. So the last movie that did this in the 90s, again, a pretty significant age gap between the actors, as is in this one. She looks very, she looks book accurate, like she could be 18, and he definitely looks like he's in his 40s or something. And so maybe that's just part of it, that they're just kind of like, well, we're <laughs> going to do a romance with these guys, but we don't want to do like tongue down the throat makeout session because people might get ooked. So like just nuzzle her face. I don't know. <laughs> so she the actual age difference between the actors although i do agree she looks a lot younger than she was
0: she was 25 when this movie was shot he was 46 okay so but i i do i do think she looks a lot younger mm-hmm. i also will say the kiss later is very clearly both of them mm-hmm. the kiss that they have after he nuzzles her face so obviously it's him nuzzling her face mm-hmm. but they only show like one of the things that I like, and especially with like Jane so little and he's so big um, is like the, the kind of like wrap her up into his arms moment, like right before a kiss Yeah, and a lot of the nuzzling, he didn't really wrap her up into his arms. And then we see her arms go around his head, mm-hmm. but we see the whole kiss from the back of his head. There's a lot of
1: sideburn in that shot.
0: a lot of sideburn and it could have been anybody. <laughs> like yeah.
1: they could have had a stand in do that
0: why aren't they showing both sides of this kiss? And also, why am I not seeing her wrapped up in his arms?
1: Yeah, no, seriously. Definitely had feedback. That's where they needed to hire us, Lillian. I know we were probably like two at the time, but we can go back in time with our magic Jane Eyre uh, time traveling machine and be like, cut, cut, cut. Okay, guys, no, we got to do this again. Like, watch Lillian and I do it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll show you. (laughs) We'll show you. Don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) So you got to do like up around her waist and like pull her in.
1: <laughs> All right. We're going to do the choreography again and again and again. And uh, you then we what? can finally film it.
0: William Hurt, <laughs> you kiss me. I'll show you how. <laughs> Amazing.
1: I have a note here. I'm not going to talk about anything other than there's a line that Miss uh, Fairfax says when they're trying to prepare the house for the party, uh, where she's like, I have no time for frogs. Iconic. I'm going to get that tattooed on me, <laughs> except I do have time for frogs. Um, I do
0: have time. Some people don't have time for frogs and some people do have time for frogs. And that's yeah. like, which, who are you? You know?
1: I know. Um, Although speaking of um, Fairfax, she totally knew everything, right? All along. I really want to talk about Fairfax because I think I wrote down that I
0: really liked this Fairfax because I did. I really liked, she has a line that we've seen in other um, movies after the um, engagement where she is shocked. And Mm -hmm. she talks about like, I saw that he liked you, but I didn't think he was going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's very clear with Jane. Like Jane is like, Pretty upset and like thinks that Miss Fairfax is like trying to make her conform to social norms, which Jane's a rebel. She would never do that. (laughs) But I think that this, and she goes, No, it's just that you're so young and you don't know a lot about men. And I don't want you to be hurt Mm -hmm. by the things that seem. She does the whole line that not all glitter is gold. Mm -hmm. Um, And she goes, It's not this. I just don't want you to be disappointed if you find out something that isn't true. The yeah. other thing, um, and I want to talk about a couple other most Fairfax things, but her seeming like she knows, in the church, it felt like she called
1: the lawyer. Mm, yeah. Like, it kept zooming in on her face to get her reaction. And I think definitely, because, like, the way that she also covers up, uh, like, sometimes when, you know, we first hear a laugh and she's like, oh, that's just Grace Poole or whatever. Like, sometimes it seems almost as if that's what Fairfax does kind of believe, mm-hmm. but, like, this definitely felt as if she knew it was the wife. And because she talks so much about uh, Rochester's childhood as if she was part of raising it. And so I think she would have known about the wedding to Bertha and all of that. So I think she was definitely sus and uh, probably should have maybe told Jane. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, okay, so here's Like
0: it's an interesting way to play it that I don't think, at least I've never picked up on it. I've never, never necessarily seen the idea that Miss Fairfax was somehow involved in the interruption of the wedding. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get it. Cause how did they know that this was happening when he didn't really announce it? And like, how did this happen so quickly? And how did this like, you're trying to answer some of those questions by adding to the story in a way that seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. Here's my problem with that. Uh, Miss Fairfax is very nice in this. Yeah, why would she possibly call a lawyer instead of telling Jane? Like right, it's like it's the whole reason why. Like, if I will, t- I'll tell you now. I don't have any problem with you marrying Sam. If I did, <laughs> like for example, if I found out he had a wife locked in the attic, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you before you're at the altar. I'm gonna Thank give you. you a little heads up. Thank you, Lillian. I'm Not gonna and and frankly, if you're at the altar. It is too late, girl. I'm not going <laughs> to you, on everybody. We're
1: just, we'll get it know later. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> No, Lillian, Lillian, it's great. Here's the thing. If you, for whatever reason, have to wait until we're up at the altar, but you don't want to like ruin my wedding by being like, I object. Just take a, take a a line from Bertha. Just set the church on fire, you know, (laughs) and then pull the fire alarm. So we all have to run outside and I'll be like, oh man, this blows. And you will be like, actually, I need to tell you something. (laughs) I pulled the fire alarm and uh, he's got somebody locked in the basement. So so here's the thing. This
0: is going to sound crazy. I just found out that Sam has been pulling a Rochester the whole time. And you
1: no. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy! <laughs> it just like he liked our podcast so much, he took some inspiration from it.
0: <laughs> well, Sam, I know you're listening. Don't don't lock ladies in your basement. I know you've been thinking about it. I know we make it sound really fun. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> it's it's cool, guys. He doesn't have a lady in the basement. He just has a secret Pokemon card collection where all of our money is going to. So. <laughs> um but anyway (laughs) yes uh okay here's something I liked though we so he they kind of combined his confrontation speech uh into the scene where he's up in the tower showing off his wife because there he's kind of explaining to everybody including you know the local clergy and people he's like this is the situation I was put into not my fault but then right away Jane leaves. And at first I thought I was like, he not even going to try and stop her. But I like that like a carriage just lucky for her happens to be passing by Thornfield. She runs out. She's like, get, get me on this carriage. I need to get out of here. And I loved, I loved that he instantly chases after her. Like he sees this happen. And so he's like, give me a horse. I got to go catch my girl. And I was like, oh man, that could have been such a romantic, like race to the airport scene in a, in a romance or whatever. But like you said, it's right then and there that Bertha is like, Mm -mm. she takes her opportunity she sees that like people are distracted because you know this whole thing has just happened and she's like I can get out of here I'm gonna burn this house down and I love that I love that she does that right then it makes sense for me instead of waiting yeah and the other thing that makes a lot of sense to me is like it doesn't seem like
0: she's burning the house down she saw Jane in that dress Mm -hmm. she was very mad about Jane in the dress grace pool. We watch her look out the window. So Mm -hmm. she's like watching this incredibly dramatic thing, which if I'm totally honest, I would also blow up my job to watch that. Um, and then she goes to the fire and sneaks out of the room with a burning log Mm -hmm. and burns the dress. Uh, and then yes. the bed catches on fire. And then that leads to the rest of the house very quickly catching on fire. But I think the moment where he is being called, like they're yelling after him, Mr. Rochester, and he go- he sees the smoke in the house and he sees the carriage going away. And this was, guys, before the internet. So there was no way for him to, like, if she leaves, she there's no real way for him to find her. So he's choosing between going back and fulfilling his responsibilities and doing what we all know he really wants to do, Mm -hmm. which is run after the woman that he loves. And he's a responsible, sweet, sweet man. And so he goes back.
1: Which isn't there a line earlier in this movie when he's talking about Adele's past and he's like, I take care of my responsibilities. And so here we see this a second time. He's like, I want to go after the woman of my dreams, but no, I have to go take care of my ward, my servants, my wife. And Everything else. And so yeah, I think that's very valorous. And it's also a major plus to actually see him running into the fire and, you know, trying to save people. So that was
0: a little rough for me. I grace pool dying was really rough for me because obviously most of the twists of this movie I know about. So like, Mm -hmm. like we've talked about, like at some point I'm just watching for certain beats and all this stuff. But like at this point in this movie, I'm like, oh my God, Gene, (laughs) he's running after you on a horse, but Rochester, the house is on fire. And then like, we go running into the house and I'm like, are we going to watch the fire happen? i am (laughs) going to watch the fire happen before. I've seen a flashback of the fire where we didn't actually see most of the fire part, but I haven't actually seen like the house on fire. And there's that moment right after Bertha jumps down and mm-hmm. he falls down the stairs and we see him get injured
1: again. If you don't know this story, maybe he died. <laughs> so speaking of not knowing if somebody died or not, The thing that really surprised me about the ending of this, so we can talk about some of the other like end plot details, but when Jane hears the voice and then she goes back to Thornfield and she finds it burned, she doesn't speak to anybody before she goes to Rochester. So she sees the burned house. She then sees Pilot and Rochester, here's Rochester's voice and she goes after him and it's there when she sees that he's blinded and everything and she's like, I'm going to be with you forever. She doesn't know that is dead no one would have told her that she sees a burnt house and assumes maybe the wife is dead now but she doesn't know that no one tells her this so she just essentially like what if she's like she did that whole romantic speech is like i will be by your side forever it's gonna be great and he's like my wife is still alive she'd be like really (laughs) i was hoping she got crispy i think that's interesting as you point that out
0: she, cause I was going to say, usually like, she says the friend and companion thing. And then he goes, Oh, I want to do that. Um, I want to marry you. And she goes, <laughs> okay. Um, but She says the friend and companion thing. And he goes, I'm not worth your time, Jane. They don't, don't actually agree to get married in that room. So she might've just okay. been agreeing to like be his friend or and his then sometimes kisses. Yeah. Interesting. Um, that's a good point. Which is really, really interesting to me. So that's. That's a whole other take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then they do the whole, first of all, that whole scene. Much better kisses than the proposal. Oh, yes. Much better everything than the proposal. Very good scene. It's a beautiful
1: Um, room. It's where I've seen all the photos when I was like Googling this movie. It's just very pretty. I think it's supposed to be like a stable or a barn. And it's this kind of room with these high arched ceilings. And the way they've done the lighting, again, feels very soft 90s. And yeah, like he's sitting in the chair and she kneels before him and she's cradling his face. And it's very romantic. So, And her dress in that is so much. But the blacks were really hard on her. <laughs> um,
0: the gray was a much better choice for her the speech that she gives after that scene her little like and then his sight came back first of all he gets to keep both his hands and mm-hmm. gets his sight back okay. and gets a baby yeah because um, they do get married she says it, Yeah, Yeah. they do get married because eventually she finds out Bertha's dead. And it's like, oh, great. I don't have to compromise my morals at all then.
1: (laughs) A few.
0: (laughs) And they they talk about, they do my favorite additional wrap up, which is they call Adele back from Paris, which I also am really, really glad that they clarified that Adele was off at school. They like Mm -hmm. have a whole conversation about that before they go to the chapel to not get married. And then um, when the fire is burning, we don't have to worry about Adele because Adele is off in Paris going to a school for ladies, but we find out they brought Adele back and they had a child and he got to see their first child cause his sight was back. Um, and it just feels like if you're not going to lose a hand, I don't know that you deserve your sight
1: back like (laughs) right you i have to make some kind of compromise here and maybe this team thought like well we made him a soft boy in this movie so he wasn't as yelly or weird as the other ones so maybe it's okay but we'll have to add that to our rochester related
0: injuries Mm. theory
1: yes definitely i so the only last thing that i want to talk about from when she goes back to uh see her aunt and yeah here is singin rivers uh who's associated with the aunt Not a cousin. He has a boring proposal. She turns him down, but one thing that I did really like that they added to this is that so Sinjin has been put in charge of like managing his aunts, her aunts affairs. It seems he's kind of the one who was like, hey, who called her in the first place when she was sick. And he's got all these documents from her father writing letters to her uncle of like, here's the letter he wrote your uncle when you were born and all this stuff that Jane never knew about. And I thought it was really nice that he says to her, he's like, you were deeply loved, Miss Eyre. And that's something that she needed to hear that because all of her life, people have pushed her away or died. And that's kind of why she clings to Rochester, because he gives her attention and respect and and care, even when he's got dark secrets. So to have somebody say, by the way, you were loved in the first place, like you didn't need to, you know, reduce your morals for someone to to like you. You had people who cared. Yeah, not by me, though. I disrespect you. I do not love you. Yeah, exactly. I still want you to just like be a wife and maybe we'll fall in love someday. Who knows? Um, and yeah. she varies. She's like so clearly rejected. She goes, I'll think about
0: it. Um, yeah. By the way, in case I don't marry you, which again, I'm still mulling that over. Um, <laughs> can you make sure that some of my money goes to the girls at Lowood School, which I would have had a lot more stipulations on that than she did. Mm. Um, and then also anything you need for like your missionary work. Um, Just because, like, in case I reject you and you need something to soften that sting, (laughs) the money, um, it'll probably be fine. (laughs) Yes. Again, lulling it over, I will get back to you in three to five business days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Runs off to Thornfield, never writes to him again. <laughs> um, so that's these are everything I need to say about this adaptation. Do you have any kind of like uh usually you've got actors or bonnets, or what do you have for us for well, the? Well, we've done most of my actor facts. The only additional actor fact that I
0: have is Charlotte Gainsbourg, um, who plays Jane. Mm-hmm. She is, if you Google, I don't know if you looked at pictures of her not as Jane. She is a very beautiful, very 90s-looking lady. Um, yeah. even now she looks like sort of like that punk rocky 90s stuff is like her aesthetic Mm -hmm. very good look for her 1847 fashion hairstyles not for her Mm -hmm. she doesn't look great in them it's not very flattering
1: they did a good job of making her look plain like jane is supposed to i think her beauty shone through though there were many scenes she has a very long swan like neck and i kept seeing that in scenes i'm like her neck is two feet long (laughs) And now in a, we know in a more about way. what Piper looks for in a lady, swan necks. <laughs> swan necks. I'm like, girl, you wearing those neck rings? <laughs> um, she is also in,
0: because uh, I, I didn't recognize her from anything necessarily. Mm-hmm. She is in a lot of movies, almost none of which I recognized.
1: Okay. Um, yeah.
0: So the one that I, the only one that I'd even like seen a trailer for, she plays um, in Men- Melancholia Oh, yeah. Um, she plays a pretty prominent role in that, but I haven't seen that. So, But she's been in a lot of things because sometimes we talk about actors who like this is the only thing they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they seemed they felt like independent movies to me just from reading the titles on IMDb, but I actually have no idea. So that's that's the only actor fact I have. Otherwise, we talked about um Fiona Sean, who was Aunt Reed and Aunt Petunia. We talked about Anna Paquin, who was young Jane. Quackwin. Quackwin, um, who was also in Almost Famous. She was Rogue in X-Men from 2000 to 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I also wrote down she's also in Everything. Yep. (laughs) And then William Hurt, similarly, he is also in Everything. Um, And then he was in Marvel as Secretary Ross. True. um, Is one that I recognize him from
1: for sure. I think of him. I think he's in. So my mom loves him. I mentioned last time, and I think he's in uh, As Good as It Gets, or he's in the one where they're like rolling around in the surf, kissing. That's him. Okay <laughs> From So that if you ever movie. see,
0: if you ever like just like kind of out of the corner of your eye catch some actors rolling around in the surf, kissing, it's William Hurt. Yeah,
1: it's his ghost now. He's still mm-hmm. at
0: it. <laughs> still, still, out there kissing his... people on the surf. <laughs> they're like, get off me, ghost! And he's like. <laughs> Um, as for bonnet watch, I, I, you've for the first time taken a hard stand that you were very pro a particular bonnet in this. I liked it. I liked it. Cadillac uh, of bonnets, Cadillac I'm of bonnets written down right that. <laughs> um, I was pretty disappointed in her rich lady bonnet. Mm, um, yeah. it was not my favorite and also all of her other bonnets, her black yeah. bonnet. I felt like was pretty standard. She also made a choice that I think has only ever worked for me in the 2011 version,
1: Mm. which was a wedding bonnet. Yeah. Bonnets are not for weddings, guys. See, I disagree. I thought it was nice. I thought the lace draped over it, like made this cool effect. Uh, So I I was for it. But you know, sometimes. I'm going to post about these bonnets
0: and I'm going (laughs) to have it for the first time ever say Piper, very pro these bonnets. Lillian, not
1: a fan. That's okay. You know what, Lillian? You, like, Miss Fairfax doesn't have time for frogs. You don't have time for these bonnets, and that's okay. I think that leads us on one, one other last
0: random <laughs> note that I have. Miss Fairfax in this, um, and then we could do our scores. She says to Jane, when they're when she's, like, giving her the tour of the house, and they, like, go into Mr. Rochester's rooms, and she's doing the whole, like... He's like actually a really good guy. He's just like had a sad childhood. Um and I am helping him hide his wife in the attic. Um <laughs> she's talks about like, I don't know, like you can never see what these guys are saying. He's just so tricky with his words. You can't tell if he's mad or not. And I'm like, honey, do you trouble with sarcasm? Yeah, because I think he maybe he it, it is pretty clear what yeah. he means.
1: <laughs> well, like, she is just a simple old lady, as other versions have told us. So that's that's what
0: I'm saying. It's like that line wasn't in there, but they did capture that in
1: her character (laughs) yes uh my last note before we do our scores is just simply i wrote this down i love jane's bedroom it's the most beautiful bedroom that window that she has i'm like oh man this is every uh book account on instagram's dream to just sit in that window with your stacks of books and make your stories and gain new followers yeah that's the, the very dream bedroom it's very pretty
0: yeah. Yeah. A, a, a window seat has been a dream of mine forever. I will have to knock out a wall in my house to build me one. It's going to be a great <laughs>
1: use of my money. Yeah. And then Roose can wear a little hard hat while you work. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian, what are you going to score this beautiful adaptation? Oh, I am going to give it eight out of 10 bonnets. Very nice. I am going to give it. Seven out of 10 sideburns. Ooh, sideburns or mutton chops? Because you've done mutton chops before. We'll do the mutton chops. I'll keep okay. it on brand. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought um, I really liked uh, Hertz' performance. Um, I also thought he was not attractive. <laughs> so like I- his...
0: I can't believe we haven't explicitly called this out. I really, like the whole time we were watching this, I was like, I get it. I get it, ladies. I get why you're commenting this on our stuff all the time. William (laughs) Hurt nailed it.
1: No, no, he was great. I just, uh, like his sideburns were very unruly. Like they were very scraggly. Like he stuck a couple of like sage brushes to his face. And then also he had like the balding receding hairline, but then growing his hair out long. And it looked kind of like a little French boy bob a bit. And like- you know if the wind blows wrong, then like you just see the baldness that's coming through the long hair. And so those are the things that I was noticing. And I don't know, maybe I'm just like it's unfair to any actor who wants to be Rochester after I started with Timothy Dalton, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's he's kind of a little rough, but he's soft. It's fine. <laughs>
0: I really liked him. I, yeah, he's yeah. he ranks pretty high for me in Rochester's awesome, not higher than um Toby Stevens, but high. No.
1: Yeah. So we've done it. We've, uh, we've reviewed, we've watched and reviewed another adaptation. Well, guess what listeners? We're not done. Not by a long shot. We've got another one lined up for next week. One. I am so excited for, uh, this next episode is going to air on my birthday. And so we are going to watch, uh, an episode of Star Trek Voyager in which the main protagonist Captain Catherine Janeway experiences a malfunction while on the Hollow Deck and she has been previously so I've been watching the show to get ready for this and they've been laying the seeds for this episode so there is a little context that you will need to know that we've already twice seen her in the Hollow Deck playing out what's called a hollow drama which is like it can just kind of project whatever you want. And so she is essentially playing the role of Jane. It is not strictly Jane Eyre, but the story that she is acting out is inspired by Jane Eyre. So we've already seen her in this house meeting this mysterious man and then she is the governess for two children, um, a little boy and a little girl. And so far she has introduced herself to them. And she's been told that their mother is dead and the daughter is like, I talked to mom last night, and the brother is like, Shut up, no, you didn't. And she's like, What? And she's and the brother's like, No, my sister has an active imagination, but our mom is dead, so don't worry about it. So that's all we know so far of this hollow drama that Captain Janeway is acting out. So we'll have to go and see. Um what happens next. But I can't wait. And maybe he won't want to because we kind of were mean to him on this episode, but my fiance oh, is, is planning to watch it and be our first <laughs> guest for that episode. So the man, the myth, the legend, Sam Weigel, you've heard about him. Now you can hear from him. <laughs> He'll be joining us next week.
0: <laughs> and and you might think to yourself, well, Lillian's always roasting Sam. Um, and maybe she won't do that if he's there. No. <laughs> Sam is way too similar to my brothers for me to not roast him
1: I was just (laughs) going to say I was like Lillian talks to Sam the same way she talks to her brothers it's very much that dynamic so I will be here to keep the peace and I hope you guys will join us (laughs) it'll be a (laughs) good time I am not a I'm not a checkie I
0: haven't watched a lot of Star Trek I've watched some of the movies but do not have the knowledge that I need going into this Piper knows Star Trek
1: Star Trek is my my blood, my soul, so I will gladly uh, lead in with a little like information for people who haven't seen it just to give you some context, uh, but I can't wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Yeah, so cool. Um, you can find us on all uh, social medias at AirBuds. Email us, AirBuds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, but if not, uh, tune in, and uh, we, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.